Hi, I'm Ellen. And I'm Alex. And this is our book podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic. This week, we are talking about the book Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Nung. So, heads up, if you haven't read the book and don't want any spoilers, then either refrain from listening, but we would prefer if you read the book and then came back and listened after that. Yes, come come back and visit. <laughs> or, or if you don't mind spoilers, keep listening. That's fine, too. Exactly. Um, I did also want to mention that this book uh, does deal with uh, some pretty serious sexual assault. Um, so we want to, you know, we're going to try to talk about it as delicately as I think the book does a really good job of handling it delicately. Um, but we just wanted to make sure that, you know, if that might be triggering for anybody, we didn't want to just sort of surprise anybody with that. So um, here's our little trigger warning. Um, and, and let's talk about the book. Yeah, so... Like you said, hopefully we can deal with this as delicately as we can. Yeah. But we're also not trained professionals. Also accurate. So also accurate. <laughs> terribly sorry if we are not talking about this in a way that we should. And if that's the case, let, let us, us know. know. Absolutely. We'd love to talk about that. Absolutely. absolutely. We absolutely would. Um, so, Alex, I want to know who your favorite character was. Uh, so this one was super easy for me. Okay. My favorite character was Ren. Because sure. Because who doesn't want to be a badass warrior chick, right? Like, like mystical warrior? Right, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, your eyes turn white and all of a sudden you have, like, super speed and strength and can fight anyone and know all these martial arts skills. Absolutely. Like, that sounds great to me. Yes. Um, so... I was super excited about her and finding out that she's this amazing warrior. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess she does have this huge responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I wouldn't want to be her in that regard. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I would totally want to be her. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Um, she was definitely on my short list of favorites. Um, but, um, as was Lei, the main character, I really liked her. Um, but I was actually surprised because as I was sort of sitting and thinking about this, I came to realize that my favorite character was, um, Zell. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. See that. But it, and it was interesting because she's not a huge character in the book. Like she's, mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's very integral to some or to I mean to a good chunk of the book. But she, um, you don't see her very often. But she was very intriguing and um, was just very in command of herself and of her fate and. Um, I don't know. It was it was really interesting because I didn't think much about her. I thought as I was reading the books because she's like I said, she's not a huge main part of it. But she. um, Yeah, there was just something about her that after I had finished, I just kept sort of returning to her and her piece of the story 
Um, and so I decided that that must mean <laughs> she was my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I would say it's pretty typical for favorite character favorite characters across the board for people to be more main characters mm-hmm. just because we have more time with them more time mm-hmm. with them right more character development yeah more understanding of who they are yep. more ability to connect with them so that's kind of surprising your, your yeah choice. I was surprised too <laughs> to be honest so I really I really <laughs> like her as a character as well yeah yes she is definitely a supporting character though she does play a pivotal role right um but I I do also want to say that probably, like, second place, probably tied, would be Lei and Ren. Like, they, I liked them a lot as well. Um, But, yeah, it was a little surprising to me, too. But it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, um, let's see. So, tell me, uh, did you have any favorite quotes? So I had a couple of favorite quotes. Okay. Uh, I did too. Let's see if so, let's see if we're the same. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So my first one was more more just had to do with the way that this quote was written. Okay. Um, so it goes. I find it difficult to move, as if the expectant hush of the watching crowd had a weight. A solidity that thickens the atmosphere lends an extra tug to gravity just here in this hall. Wow. Yeah, just the just the descriptors. Yeah. And then also the concept of having like extra gravity. Mm-hmm. It was something that I don't think I ever would have thought of on my own. Right. Um, and then the way that she describes that extra yeah. gravity is really cool. Absolutely. So. That's beautiful. I thought so, too. So then my next one um, is a description of one of the times that they're kissing. Okay. And, again, it was just beautiful. They, so should we should we explain who they are so that people... Oh, oh sure. <laughs> so Leigh and Ren yeah. um, end up in... I don't know how they're defining their relationship, but they're together yeah. for part of the book, um, which is something we can talk about in a little bit. But yeah. this is my one of my favorite quotes when one of the times that they're kissing. Mouths and softness and the liquid heat of the steam, our hands holding each other's faces in tight as though we'd be lost without the press of the other's mouth to ours. There are words in our kiss. I feel them between our lips, unspoken, but just as clear as if we had been talking. Or perhaps more clear, because we are not. There's no hesitation or misunderstanding to block or diminish their meaning, just the simplest, most instinctive language of forgiveness. Forgiveness and hope. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, just the the fact that kisses can be a language of their own mm-hmm. was and then the way that she described that and that they could speak forgiveness and hope to each other through a kiss mm-hmm. was just such a beautiful and cool concept yeah um, 
And then my final quote. Thank you for dealing with all my quotes already. So I mean, far. anybody who's joined us before knows that I'm a pretty big fan of quotes, so it's just fine. <laughs> Okay, so my final quote actually has more to do with, like, a deeper connection. Like, I really personally connected to okay. this quote. Yeah. In our first Chi, is it Chi? Arts class QI? I should have looked up how to Yeah, I wasn't so sure about that either. I think so, but I'm okay. I'm not positive. All right, well, we're going to use that currently and yeah. then start over again. In our first Chi Arts lesson, Master Teikau told us that mastering control of our internal energy is about understanding the concept of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Two words hidden inside the one, now, and here. Mm-hmm. When we practice Chi Arts, he said, what we're really trying to do is to ground ourselves in the here and now. That being truly in the present means to disappear. And for me, I feel like I'm on a bit of a spiritual, personal journey this year. And one of the things that I've realized is that being in the present is very hard for me. I tend to drift into the past or the future, or just being in my head much more than being grounded and present. Sure. And so that really cool description of how to be present just mm-hmm. really connected with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those so, are those are all beautiful. How about you? Yeah. So I also had a couple. Um, The first one is pretty close to the beginning. Um, So we're in uh, Lei's home village of, I think it's Xianzo. Um, I did my best to try to figure out if that's how you would pronounce it. Um, But I am not an expert, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. Um, (laughs) uh, And the palace guards have shown up at her uh, family's uh, store. And General Yu, right? Y-U? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he um, he says to them, um, you know, we're, I'm this is this is the sort of the lead up to the quote, but he says to them like, we're I'm here for you, friends or or we're friends or what does he say? I, of course, wrote the part of the quote that is my favorite part, and then I forgot to write what the lead-up was. Oh, he says, please, please, there is no need to be fearful friends. And so then my favorite quote, or one of them, came after that, and it said, friends. He speaks the words, the word with a smile, but it tastes like poison. Mm. Um, and I just thought it was such a vivid, clear description, and I, like, I could just, I could, I could feel the um i could feel it you know like i could un- i could mm-hmm. very vividly feel it um and then the next one comes not too shortly after that she has tried to escape <laughs> um because her dad tries to save her um and she has um they're taking her towards um 
I think boats at this point in time. They've left the carriage and now they're in the boats. Um, I tried to be a little more specific about this. Yeah. So well, they. I don't know that that really matters. The, the yeah. But anyways, so but she she had been dragged basically because she had tried to run in the city and they caught her and it didn't work. Um, and she had been up until this point being dragged towards um, her these boats that they're going to take. And she sort of shakes them off and decides that she's going to walk by herself. Um, and it said, and the quote is, because if this is to be my fate, I'm going to walk boldly into it on my own two feet. Um, and I thought that that was really powerful and beautiful and showed her, tr- like her true inner strength. You know, even though at this is a point where she's really questioning that because she's scared for her family and she's scared for herself and she doesn't know what the future is going to hold. Um, but even, even then she is going to be proud and strong and she's going to walk boldly into it on her own two feet. Um, it is a powerful quote. Yeah. And then I have two more. Uh, the next one is, I, it was in one of the, I think, chi lessons that they're having once they get to the palace. And the uh, their teacher says, um, remember, even that which seems impossible at first can be overcome by strength of mind and heart. Um, and I just loved, again, sort of the strength and fortitude in such a beautiful sentence. And I think oftentimes people have, um, myself included, <laughs> have, ha- you know, give up all too easily on something because it's difficult and because it seems impossible. And I just love the idea that, you know, if you work for it and you work towards it, you know, anything can be overcome um, by, you know, your own strength. Yeah, I would like to point out that both one of your favorite quotes and one of my favorite quotes has to do with their master of their chi arts. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is something to that, you know, that maybe we should all be taking some classes. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, And then my last one is... Um, it's something that Ren says to Lei, um, and then it sort of becomes Lei's mantra sort of throughout the end of the book. Um, and I, I started crying when I read it. (laughs) Um, not Not like, I know, not surprising for anybody who knows me, but, um, I, um, it's, I don't want an easy life. I want a meaningful one. Oh, that was one of my favorites, mm-hmm. too. And I it's... three, that was enough, and I didn't need to share a fourth one. So I'm glad your fourth one is the same as my fourth yeah, one. Yeah, it, um, and it wasn't, like, a sobbing cry, um, but it definitely, like, tears fell down my face when I read that, because it's, um, I... Anybody might notice, aside from maybe my first one about, you know, the speaking the word with a smile, but it tastes like poison. But all of my other ones are all a personal fortitude and strength. And um, I know I've mentioned it before, but um, we, we meaning me, <laughs> we love a strong, especially girl, right? And we, and I love someone who... Um, is, is a great example for 
girls of, of our generation, you know, or younger generations, probably. Um, <laughs> seeing as we're probably a little bit older than the target audience of this book, but, you know, it's... Uh, I love a good example, and I just love all of these little tidbits of personal strength and fortitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And sort of with that being said, I think as we sort of delve into this book here, I think it's also important in the big aspect of this book and how... um, and and the subject matter of this book, I think it's very important for even especially these characters to know their own strength and to know their own abilities um, in a world that seems pretty set on taking those away from them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's very true, both due to their cast and women. Yeah. Um, so with that being said... um, actually, I'm I'm glad that you brought up the casts because I, something that I was struck by this book or about by this book was the world building. Like Mm -hmm. it felt immaculate. Like it seemed like everything was so well thought out between the caste systems, the legends of why these caste systems were the way they were, why these this the tradition of the paper girls like every it just seemed like every detail and aspect of this culture and society was so well drawn together and put together and I was just this is not as light of a book as sometimes we've read (laughs) um and 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 so it's something that I kind of clung to as I read through this book because it was pretty heavy subject matter. Um, but I was just I was just struck by what an excellent job the author did in creating this very tangible feeling world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I just I, I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad that you brought it up, but you did skip over our favorite parts. Oh my gosh. See, I was too excited to talk about the world building. Oh my gosh. Let's, okay. So we're just going to (laughs) rewind. I'm so sorry. I got so excited. Um, Alex, what was your favorite part? Okay. So I was kind of surprised myself by the fact that this was my favorite part. Okay. Because typically a favorite part will maybe be like have more of an emotional meaning but for me I really loved the action at the end Ooh, okay the okay so my favorite scene is actually when they escape the castle on um the wings of the owl moon cast yes what was his name because the way that it was written it felt like I was there and I could actually see mm-hmm. everything, like every turn that he made, every uh, moon cast bird following him that like kept crashing into things and how he would swoop down mm-hmm. and like pull up at the last minute and then crash someone else. He would get someone else off of his tail. Yep. Like it was just written in such a way 
that I really felt a part of the scene. Sure. And then on top of that great action, because I always love great action, right. whether it be movies or books, um, I loved the comedic breaks mm-hmm. in the in between everything to yeah. like lighten everything up. I thought they were super on point. Um, and then just to kind of like top all of that off, the fact that my favorite scene was at the point where they're flying. Of course, then we find out later that her birth blessing pendant word is flight. Right. And so I just thought that was so fitting yes. that my favorite part of the book was when they were in flight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a great scene. Um, I loved yeah. uh, Marin. I b- believe yes. it's his name. Um, so what was your favorite part? Yeah, so sort of like you, I was struck that my favorite part was also sort of an action sequence. Um, but my favorite part was the assassination attempt in the theater. Oh, um, okay. Or what we are told was an assassination attempt in the theater. Um, it's the f- it's the first part, um, or it's the first time really that Lay sees Ren in action, mm-hmm. um, and I just thought it was so beautifully written. And I sort of like how you were saying with the escape from the palace. I felt like I was there, like I felt the suspense. I was like, is she gonna kill this guy who's trying to kill them as they escape? Like I was just so wrapped up in it and I just thought it was beautifully written and um what a fun idea that they're like fighting underneath the stage you know like I don't know I just I loved it (laughs) so basically what we're saying is Natasha writes really great action sequences yes and that that's something that she should keep doing Mm mm-hmm yep absolutely um so did you want to get back to your world building discussion? That <laughs> I'm, I'm so ner- I'm, I'm so nervous to try to jump into something else. I'm like, am I forgetting anything else? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, of course I want to talk about it, but I just want to make sure. Did you have anything else to say about your favorite part? I didn't, okay. but I was thinking a little bit more about your comments on world building and how you were really drawn into that. Yeah. And I have to say that that's not something that I noticed or really agree with. Okay. Like for me, that wasn't something like, yes, some of her descriptions were beautifully written. Mm -hmm. um, But I wasn't super drawn into the world. Okay. The way that, you are I think I've noticed that also happens to me though in books that are based on cultures that aren't mine okay because I don't have as good of an understanding to Mm -hmm. be able to make parallels sure um so that's where I tend to just feel ignorant sure and then also just can't really see to the same extent what they're trying to explain um so I'm sure it is a beautiful world and I'm glad that you reacted in a different (laughs) way but to me sure um yeah I've found that has happened multiple times where I just struggle to be able to like in my mind's eye see exactly how they're describing things sure um specifically for me I was really struggling to be able to picture 
what the moon cast really looked like. like yeah. I, why I was having so much trouble. Yeah. With the idea of like the steel cast made sense to me. Like I could right, have like, a human with like a couple of animal features. Right. But then differentiating that from the moon cast that is supposed to be basically animal like humanoid animals yeah at the same time can i tell you how i can i tell you how i thought of them this is gonna sound this is is gonna sound ridiculous out loud but i thought of (laughs) so okay so to preface this whole world takes place in a pseudo asian culture um and (laughs) i pictured them like the characters in kung fu panda (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i thought you were going to say in uh the movie cats or something no i was picturing like because kung fu panda is also taking place in a, a in an asian society and i was like oh so, <laughs> so i was picturing yeah but those are fully animal there's nothing the only human thing about right. them is maybe some of their mannerisms. But they, but they and like the way that they speak. But they don't have any kind of human body to them. Well, they but they walk on like like tigress. She walks on her hind legs like a human. She doesn't. She sometimes runs on all four feet, but she always walks on her two like two feet. And tigers don't do you know like so that's um, interesting. Okay, because I I would think that they have more. Human. Probably. I, the, I, see, I see Alex, I, I the short answer is, time. the short <laughs> answer is, you're probably right. <laughs> I was just picturing them like the characters in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I mean, Kung Fu Panda is one of my all-time favorite movies, yeah. so that's totally fine, and I absolutely appreciate that. Yeah, so that was, um, that's sort of how, how Ellen was picturing them, like, I think yes, more more humanoid than that, but like that's just sort of in my mind's eye what they basically looked like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, oh a little embarrassing, but it's true. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so besides picturing the moon cast as kung fu panda characters, not so much characters, like- just like they. That's what they would look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to the world building discussion? Because I do, but it's slightly like a tangent or, you know, um, complementary to the topic. So if you had something more. Not, not to say specifically first. world building. Like it's a little bit more like about the. Um, no. Uh, well, well, we'll just say no as a short answer. Okay, so I wanted to bring up and just note um, the beautiful way that I connected to the Asian culture in her descriptions was through her use of describing things as if they were calligraphy. Yeah. And it just, I have a couple of example quotes that I just have to read because... Please do. It was so beautifully done and, again, a very unique way to describe things that really helped me see them, even though I am not a calligrapher. Right. Um, So the first one 
is describing the palace walls that are far off in the distance. Okay. A severe line of black, like an angry brush stroke blotting the horizon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's seamlessly combining the descriptions of calligraphy with other descriptive words to describe something that has nothing to do with calligraphy that I thought was great. And then this one is just a description of winter in the palace. Okay. Colors drain from the gardens like calligraphy paints being washed away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just found that to be again so powerful so descriptive so vivid and I just loved that there were multiple instances where I was like oh there's another calligraphy reference yeah let me see what it says oh wow that's a really cool way a descriptive way to talk about something Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's that's all I wanted to say on that topic but I thought it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, what would you like to bring up next as something to discuss? So, I was just going to note, so my first sort of non-quote related note, um, I made the note on page 101. I mean, to clarify, not in my book. I made the note separately that says page 101 i just want need to clarify <laughs> i you don't yeah i don't well we're still introducing like, ourselves <laughs> the only way that you would write in books and you've even said this because you've contemplated this is buying additional copies so that you can have <laughs> copies where you highlight your yes. favorite quotes yeah okay? exactly <laughs> yes um i am a smidge uh, neurotic about my books and a smidge might be underselling it a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? That's cause I, that's just, it's fine. <laughs> um, so this, um, this is actually the second time I noticed this, um, but I forgot to note the first time it happened. Um, but it was my, f- it was my second technically inkling, um, that, Lay was interested in girls instead okay. of instead of boys in in a romantic sense. Um, she's talking about, or she's um, Ren. Uh, they're getting ready to be introduced to the king in their big ensemble, and um, they have gotten ready. She hasn't really seen anybody else. She's gone through, um, sort of in her carriage, she's gone through her, um, the, the palace grounds. She watched the woman be murdered in front of her. Um, (laughs) and so now they're lining up in order of like them being introduced to the court and the king as the new paper girls for this year. And, um, she sees Ren for the first time in her full outfit and um, um, it was just so, like, the way that she described it, it, it in and of itself was so beautiful. But I was like, oh, 
that's, and I was pleasantly surprised, you know, because most of the books that I read or we read um, have have very traditional heterosexual relationships in them. Um, and this was really nice to see some representation for a homosexual relationship, you know, because not everybody's heterosexual, you know, and, and people deserve to be able to be represented and to see themselves. So I was very pleasantly surprised that this seemed like where it was going. And then, of course, I was like, maybe I'm wrong and I'm just <laughs> reading into this too much. Um, but she says, um, or Lay sort of thinks, I'm about to turn away when over Mariko's bowed head, Ren catches my gaze. I freeze. She looks so astonishing it's almost unreal, as though she slipped out of a painting perfectly formed, a thing of beauty, of art, of bright, vivid life in this cold, still place. The design of her, oh gosh, Cheong Sam, maybe? <laughs> is the I, don't ask me. I'm not sure. <laughs> is the exact opposite of mine where the collar of mine is high hers runs low exposing the deep shadow of her cleavage my dress has a slit up the side hers is tight all the way down her legs emphasizing their length and muscled shape unlike my sheer fabric hers is a dark gunmetal silver dangerous and enticing evocative of armor um and then um but I was like, that feels like descriptions that I've seen, certainly not, I mean, not exact descriptions, right? Like, it's not like a, you know, word for word description, but like, in other situations, it just seemed like something that I would have seen in, you know, the love at first sight paragraph, right? And so I was like, mm -hmm. so I was like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely picked up on that there too, and a couple of other places yeah. before it became obvious that they right. were interested in each other. Um, yeah, there were a couple of hints along the way, right? And I was like, "Is this? Hmm, yeah, is this happening? Okay, this was unexpected." But I loved and it. I was so excited. Yeah, I have to say that I was very surprised in my reaction to their entire relationship. Okay. Not that I am not accepting of however you want to be with another person as long as it's not harmful to anyone. Yeah. Like, 100% go for it. I just assumed that because I don't have any romantic interest in women, yeah. that reading about two women together would feel odd okay. or just feel a little off to me. Sure. Or, like, the descriptions of when they're intimate would be weird. Yeah. Um, just because that's, you know, typically when you're reading, you like to connect to the intimate moments. Sure. I was pleasantly surprised that that was not the case. Yeah. I was very engrossed in their relationship, um, very connected and emotionally totally fine. Like, there was no weirdness to yeah. any of their the intimate scenes. Um, so... I think probably... That was really surprising for me. Yeah. I think probably the base of that is, is that intimacy is intimacy and love is love, you know? And... Love, yeah. That is so true. It, it, so and... it, it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter who you love. You know, we can all we can all connect to that desire and that feeling, you know, and that that want to be loved and accepted for who you are by the person that you love, you know? So Yeah, so that that actually gave me a little bit of hope. Sure. Because I always wonder for anyone who doesn't have representation or doesn't see themselves or their relationships in the media or in books or anything like that, if they can really connect and get into it in the same way as someone who can, who sees themselves. Right. And so this, you know, how I'm feeling about this could be how someone who's in a homosexual relationship or bisexual relationship or anything that's not the normal heterosexual this is what's or the the perceived to be normal yeah norm within our society right still um how they must feel when they read a lot of what's out there in our culture currently yeah and so that made me feel a little bit better because i'm hoping that maybe they can still see that love is love and still get the same enjoyment out of it as i got out of this relationship yeah um yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, like, I just, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm assuming you didn't have any of those um, hesitations once you realized that. I didn't. Two, um, I didn't. were interested in each other. I guess girls, they're still girls. Um, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, but it was, um, it, it felt like a breath of fresh air, you know, like I was, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, how, I, how wonderful that not only are we getting um, a fantasy book set in an Asian society or a pseudo Asian society, um, but we also get a homosexual relationship. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, way to represent, you know, like, Yeah, it really does Mm -hmm. in a very beautiful way. Absolutely. So I was like, and then of course, not being someone who's ever been in a a homosexual relationship, I was like, I hope it's, I hope it's an accurate represent, you know, like that was my next, that was my next hope as I was, now that it was on the paper for people who want to see themselves represented on, on paper, I was like, I hope, I hope for your sake that it's a it's a good representation and 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 I don't I don't know but I can I can hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so I have another note unless you have one that you want to talk about. Uh why don't you go? Okay, so this one was shortly after this. So one by one the girls have been introduced uh to the king and it becomes Lay's turn. And this was the, f- I mean, I had already really started to enjoy her as a character because we're, you know, a hundred and at this point, five pages into the book. Um, but this was really the point where I was like, oh, she's like me. <laughs> um, when she, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read it. And Alex, you'll probably know what I'm talking about here. Um, but it says, when I reached the bottom of the steps, I let out a relieved puff of air just as I... <laughs> Yeah. Just as I take my first step into the pool and stand on the hem of my dress, 
The crowd gasps as I lurch forward, my arms fling out inelegantly, and I grimace as I hit the surface of the water with a smack. It's cold and a fist of ice. I expect to choke, but the water is like viscous air, and I wrestle my panic down, regaining my composure. Um, and I just, the minute she fell, I was like, hi, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to, Hello, the... it's me. yeah, I was like, oh, welcome, honey, <laughs> like, we have, I have, oh my gosh. I have, I'm not the most graceful person, um, and so that was just, I was like, of course she fell in front of not just the king, who she is here basically to be chosen as a sexual partner, um, but also in front of the entire court. Yeah, I would say that was definitely a moment for me too, where I was like, yep. That would have been me. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Without a doubt. You and I are both uh, not exactly full of grace. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I, that was just immediately I was like, hi, my love. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, <my> <laughs> You're going to be okay. <laughs> but yeah. I just wanted to mention that little part because it was a very endearing little part of that absolutely that's pretty fantastic (laughs) oh man so i wanted to talk a little bit about the descriptions of the characters and i don't know if this is just me or my expectations are unrealistic (laughs) okay because it was only one book and you need more time for this sure But to me, it felt like I really only had a deeper understanding and connection with Lei. Okay. And that the rest of the characters were just supporting and I barely scraped the surface and didn't get any information. Okay. Granted, that is a huge exaggeration because there was a lot of information about the other characters um, but it just didn't feel like it. It felt okay. like she was so set apart from everyone else in terms of the amount of information and insight that you got into her right. versus other characters. Yeah. And I wish it was a little bit more spread out. But sure. I don't know, again, this is one book. Right. That unless you make it a much longer book if that can really occur if you want to add all the level of detail. That right. Is the book so I don't know if you noticed that at all um I actually I did have one note that was sort of along those lines I didn't quite feel it that way for all of the characters there were certainly some that I was like oh I would kind of like to know more about that um that we didn't really get too much of it the one thing that I missed is that um the the sort of also backpedaling a little bit. The 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 romance between Lei and Ren felt very natural and it felt right. Um but I wished I wanted a little bit more time on it. Like I wanted a little bit more time watching them fall in love and 
com- mm, and coming. Like the beginning stages. Yeah, and I wanted to watch a little bit more of them coming together, and um, and I understand why at least in this book, that wasn't really an option because there was a lot of other stuff going on that had to be addressed and dealt with. So I do understand that sometimes you have to do that little Um, Mm trade-off. But I did sort of miss, you know, like it, and like I said, it felt very right. And, you know, like once they were finally together, it wasn't like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like it, it, she definitely did a good job of, of showing that they were falling in love with each other. I just, I wish, I did miss a little bit of that. Like, I wanted a little bit more. Um, more detail, more time. Yeah. More just to let them sink into each other, you know, like. Feelings yeah. And how that changed day to day. And yeah. As they continued their relationship. Um, but it was really, I mean, but I can understand why they didn't, because it was very unsafe for them to be having this relationship with one another. So. Um, you know, I can understand why it would be kind of hurried or, you know, like once they realized that they cared for each other, why it moved pretty quickly from there because they had to be careful and they had to be, they had to seize the the moments that they were able to get together. Um, so I get it. (laughs) Um, and so I'm, but I'm hopeful that maybe in, in future books, we maybe get a little bit more of that now that they're not at the palace, you know, like maybe we'll get a little bit more of that is what I'm, is what I'm hoping. The the romantic in me is hoping for it. (laughs) (laughs) Always. I always hope for a good romance. I mean, duh. I'm a hopeless romantic. Good. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so speaking of the, of the palace, um, and speaking of this relationship, um, I'm just going to backpedal real quick. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the side characters? (laughs) No, no. Okay, cool. I, I I realized I was getting really, I was getting really excited about the next note that I had and I was like, wait, (laughs) um, so I, I do want to talk about sort of the, the elephant in the room here, which is these girls being chosen to be paper girls. Um, and this is exactly the next topic that I thought. Oh, my God. That's to, so we're like totally on the same perfect page, same wavelength. Um, because I thought it was beautifully thought out and and beautifully um dealt with and it's got some really deep and serious sort of consequences you know to to being these paper girls and so you know so we we find out that some of the girls seem like they have sort of volunteered for this position um, but like Lay, some of these girls were not really, I mean, the, the quote unquote choice that they were given were come be a paper girl or we kill your family, you know? So yeah, like, so they really, even though, especially at the beginning, it seemed like there were girls there of their own volition. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Right. They all were forced. Right to be the king's concubines. Right. And so that was also something that I wanted to talk about. So I 
Alex, you know this about me, um, but other people don't know this. Um, I am, well, at the moment I'm on a, I'm a little hiatus, but I am going to school for my anthropology degree. And this book was like a smorgasbord of anthropology for me. Um, because I could see the influences that the author had from Asian cultures in in the world, in, in the actual physical world that <laughs> we live in. Um, and what interested me so much was the idea of these paper girls and sort of how sex work is treated in this world that she created and sort of in conjunction with especially in Asian societies, how sex work is treated in their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the book, like, the king very much... Um, I don't... Um, he... I don't want to say depends, because that's not quite the right word. Um, uses is definitely the right word. <laughs> Um, he uses these girls as release for himself and his stresses and, um, but sort of, I guess his justification for it is that he takes care of their families, you know? And so he, or his men or, you know, soldiers or whatever, um, force these girls sort of under the guise of having a choice, um, into, sex work and but they're sort of revered at the palace a little bit amongst the like the courtesans right like amongst um not the courtesans (laughs) they're the courtesans um amongst the courtiers right like his amongst his people they they're invited to parties and dances and um, plays and so they, so they get a small amount of status despite the fact that they are from the lowest caste. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember in one of my classes, my professor talked about um, how specifically in Chinese culture, I believe, and it's been a couple years, so forgive me if my information is not up to date um, and not some, um, but culturally and not so much legally um, in China, but culturally, um, prostitution is sort of regarded as as a viable option for women to enter into if they are to need to, um, whether it's because they have been... It's a very common practice for widows to go into um, sex work um, to sort of make money to keep themselves... Uh, alive. <laughs> um, and it's very common, um, you know, for people to, to try to make extra money on the side becoming prostitutes. Um, and so, cult- I had no idea. yeah, and it's kind of culturally not all around accepted, um, but it's much more accepted culturally than like, say here in the States. Um, and so, it was interesting to me to see sort of glimmers of that in this world, but also to have um, much more 
And again, this is coming from someone who doesn't actually know too much more outside of what I just said about that in Asian culture and maybe specifically in Chinese culture. Um, But it seemed like this book definitely shined a little bit more of the American light on it, (laughs) you know, in the in the greater culture of the world, um, Mm -hmm. because you know, we see at the beginning, um, Lei is called a traitor by another one of these paper cast um, people who are not part of the paper girls. Um, you know, the woman that's killed by the guard in front of her, like she calls her a traitor to her people, right, for becoming a paper girl. Um, she's constantly referred to as a whore, like <laughs> all of these things. Um, so it was it was very interesting to sort of see that um sort of juxtaposition and to be able to sort of tie it into the limited amount <laughs> that I know about um, prostitution in, in Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely something I did not know. Yeah. So thank you for the You're welcome. awesome education. You're very um, welcome. For me, what stood out in this part of the book is I think the way the author did a really good job of demonstrating how many different experiences and reactions there can be to sexual assault. Yeah. And just how the different paper girls had different experiences, reacted in different ways, um, dealt with the trauma in Mm -hmm. different ways, And that none of them are better or worse or anything like that. Right. They're all all valid forms of coping. Absolutely. Exactly. Valid Mm -hmm. forms of coping. Also, um, completely valid in terms of just the the different ways that they had to submit to the king. Um, yeah. Because I know that some people are very much, um, especially these days in the Me Too movement, very about distinguishing, like, the different levels of assault or whatever, um, but they're all assault. Or, yeah. You know, and and so for me, I thought Natasha did a really great job with that, though... At the same time, I definitely caught myself initially reacting to some of the characters being like, what? And then it took me a second to step back and say, right, this is how they're dealing with trauma. Yeah. It's just a different facet. Yeah, of absolutely. How they're dealing. Like, for instance, oh man, I felt so bad when I had this reaction. And I was like, Alex, how could you have thought this even for a second? (laughs) Um, But when Leigh was thinking about not allowing him to touch her, Mm -hmm. and she did that multiple times throughout this process, or throughout just the entire book. Um, Initially she did resist, and then after she resisted, and was locked away for a week without food, um, she then decided for sure that she was not going to go through with it. Right. And my immediate thought was, like, you stupid girl, like, you're going to die. Like, it, 
what's worse, dying or submitting to the king? Yeah. And then I was like, Alex, I can't believe you said that. What are you even thinking? Yeah. Like, both of them are equally, I don't know about equally, but they're, they're both absolutely terrible. And you should never even think that that's an option that is okay. Um, yeah. But now that you have mentioned the cultural, um, I don't know, scene setting based on how sex work is viewed in Asian cultures, mm-hmm. I'm seeing that I was almost set up to to view their roles as concubines in a more favorable light. Yeah. You know, I, see, so I mean, that's like, the thing, though, is... thought was like, oh, it's not as bad, so why are you resisting? Right. Well, see, the thing is, is, is I think this was such a brilliant thing that Natasha did in this book, is that... Um, um, assault and and rape, right, is is there are there are many different ways that it happens, right? There it's it's not always the violent way that we are maybe expected to yes. believe that not, it is. It's not black and white. And it's not black and white and there are many different ways that it happens and what I thought she did so well and I also want to mention that I very much appreciated that especially in the scene where um Lei is brought back before the king and she has this plan that she's gonna poison him so he can't try to touch her and then it all goes awry and he rapes her um in the more violent way that we sort of i think everyone not everyone but i think people are uh sort of programmed to think of most immediately as rape um i really appreciated that she didn't write about it we knew what we knew what happened um and um but we didn't have to read about it and it wasn't glorifying it and it wasn't, um, you know, like I just, I, I really appreciated that she was bringing light to the situation without glorifying it really is, 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 and I, I really appreciated that she did that, but I was really struck by this, um, in the difference or uh, in how, um, Aoki, reacts to the king um versus like lay for example mm-hmm. um and the thing is is that aoki didn't have much choice in this either right but she but just because he treats her nicely and he talks to her and he gives her the food that she wants and she sees this situation as something romantic and um, but it's still not, and and certainly, and certainly in in later, um, rendezvous between her and the king, those very well seem to be pretty consensual, 
on the outside, right? But mm-hmm. it's still a situation where the first time it happened, she comes back and she's crying, right? Because she did not give her consent and it happened. And then we're in this situation where it appears like she's giving consent in each additional rendezvous that they have together. But that we're, they're in that situation where the king is in the most powerful position in this whole country and so they don't have the ability to say she doesn't actually exactly she doesn't actually have the ability to say no which is just another form of assault right like she doesn't actually she's not actually in charge of her own body like she thinks she is um and it's kind of like gaslighting right and um so i thought that natasha did a brilliant job of not only showing their coping mechanisms with with this assault and repeated assault um but also the different forms that assault can take and that it's not it's not black and white and there are very many different ways that people in all around the world are sort of robbed of their own of their own power and their own sense of self and their own bodies and um, their own choices, you know? Um, And that was mainly what I wanted to, to talk about um, was, and just sort of applaud her at, at not glorifying it, but also shedding light on all the different forms it can take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked about that because, it's always an important topic to address. Absolutely. Um, it's not necessarily seen um, to this extent in books, um, mm-hmm. especially in young adult books. Yeah. So and I think, and I think, I mean, it's, it's, I think it, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so emotional. I can't even finish my sentence. Um, and, while I think it's important for people of all ages to be aware of this, I think it's especially important for people who are coming into their adulthood and coming into sexual maturity to to okay. to realize that there are there are different facets and just because you think you're giving consent doesn't mean that maybe you are giving consent and um like I, I I you know like I said I think it's important for people of all ages but especially young people you know to understand themselves and whoever they might be entering into a sexual relationship with you know mm-hmm. um so my next note is on a much lighter note. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a much lighter note, too. Okay. So whoever wants to go first. You go first, because I think, I mean, I think this was both of our next note, but I was the one who brought it up, so you go next. Oh, okay. Well, your next note cannot be my next note, because it's actually not a note from the book. It's just an anecdote of me being dumb that I thought you would enjoy that has to do with reading. So okay. <laughs> starting and starting to read the second book of this series. So, oh, I, have, I haven't started I, the second book yet. Well, it's not a spoiler. Okay. Um, I was like, so, Alex, you know me well, too well for this. 
um, or listeners. So <laughs> I have mostly been reading off of my phone and on eBooks mm-hmm. more recently. Like I have not read a physical book in a really long time. So guess what I did hmm. when I read my first physical book that is in forever, what? which I'm reading the physical copy of the second book. Okay. I went to go turn the page, and what did I do? <laughs> I swiped my finger on the page as if it was my phone, and nothing happened, and I did it again, and I was like, what are you doing? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. This, That's... this is not right. This doesn't turn the page. And then a couple pages later, I did the exact same thing again. That's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so... That is my life currently. Oh. I have read way too many ebooks apparently and don't remember how to use a real book. So <laughs> stay tuned. That was see if I can hilarious. How to do that. I love it so much. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. I love it. Uh, yeah. So that was my, my lighter note that I figured <laughs> would be um, a good way to transition. Yes. Talking about such heavy topics. Yes, so. absolutely. So my next note uh, comes on page 298 of, again, the hardcover edition. Certainly that might change depending on what kind of, you know, what edition you have of this book. Um, but Leigh and Aiko, oh my gosh. Okay, everyone listening. Also, Alex, I told you this already, but I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> so despite the fact that I know that her name is Aoki, um, I could not stop myself from calling her Aiko in Mm -hmm. this book the whole time I was reading it. And somehow I had this same exact (laughs) reaction, even though we hadn't talked about it until after we finished reading the book. Yeah. So that... like we're the same person or something. Oh my gosh. Um, So, I'm sorry. I meant Aoki. If I say Aiko again, you guys now know who I'm talking about. Um, And so I... So they have had their fight, you know, because... Aoki thinks that she's in love with the king and that he loves her back. And Lei knows that that's not true. Um, And this comes before the second time Lei is brought before the king. Um, And they've had this fight and they've sort of made up a little bit here. And (laughs) on page 298, Lei, or I, Aoki says, I'm sorry, Aoki murmurs. I wish there was something I could do. Um, because she's just told Lei that she's probably going to be called that night to come before the king again, and she knows that she doesn't want to do it. And at this point, I believe also Aoki knows that Lei and Ren are in a relationship. So she also knows that not only does Lei not want to be brought before the king at all, but she also doesn't like men. <laughs> and 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 it, so it, it adds another facet to this this whole issue of of being brought before the king. Um and then Lay says back to her, "I'm just glad to have you back." I force a smile and say in the lightest tone I can manage. Any <laughs> And I just cracked up when I read this. Anyway, we've got loads to catch up on. In your absence, Blue, <laughs> Blue's become my best friend and we've started a Madam Himura fan club. We're calling ourselves the Beakies. <laughs> And it said, Aoki giggles. How do I sign up? And I just thought it was so cute. 
And such a great way to sort of ease the tension between these two good friends who have had this rift in their friendship. And also just because we know Madame Himura, Himura is not, she's not a nice person. She's not a gentle character like she, like she, but I just, and Blue is sort of Lay's nemesis, right, in these paper girls. And so just the, the hilarity of the fact that Lay and Blue would first of all, be friends, like, become best friends mm-hmm. is hilarious. Second of all, the fact that both of them, having become best friends, would start <laughs> a fan club for this uh, eagle cast woman. Um, and then <laughs> to just call themselves the Beakies, I just thought was the cutest. I laughed out loud when I read that part, and I just... <laughs> um, oh, it was just so funny. So my my last four notes are are kind of tied together. So they are two of them are predictions. Okay. And um and then and then whether or not I was right with those predictions. <laughs> but they lead us sort of closer to the end. So do you have any notes for before like the end of the book? Uh yeah. Okay. So- wanted to let everyone know that appearances mean way too much to me and <laughs> apparently I judge books by their cover okay because the first time we're introduced to the king she describes him as handsome <laughs> and I'm like oh my god he must be great I don't care that he takes concubines like he can't be all that bad yeah and I literally can't believe though I can because I realize how appearances really impact me and how I judge people's bodies and well but the the thing is is physical appearances and you know how they put themselves together so that makes sense to me that I then do that with book characters too but I was like completely duped well if it Um, makes you feel I write it I write it my wrong in terms of my judgment of him pretty quickly but yeah, but on the flip side, if it makes you feel any better, especially in the Western world, we are pretty programmed to do that from the get-go. Um, just in our society in America in general, um, you know, we are, as a society, very image-obsessed and mm-hmm. um, beauty-obsessed. But it goes, I mean, this goes back to, like, ancient Greece, Alex, like, in their plays, you know, anybody who looked beautiful and handsome were good. And if you looked ugly, you were bad. And that's how they were able to show people on the stage. Like when a when the witch came on, she was ugly and had warts and a big nose. And oh, she's obviously the bad guy. And that's how the audience knew that they were the bad guy because they were ugly. Like it goes back thousands of years so well then i'm glad that i fit into the correct anthropological (laughs) so like i'm but i'm just saying like don't beat yourself too much about up about this i mean it's certainly something that we can work to to move past and to move through as a society but also like it's very deep-seated in our society is to is to trust people to trust good-looking people and to mistrust ugly people um I had I had the same feeling, you know, like, oh, 
or maybe he'll be an ally or like maybe he's not actually sleeping with the girls like maybe mm-hmm. you know like he's keeping up the appearances and then of course probably much like you very quickly I was like oh shit I was wrong <laughs> he is awful <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm not, I wasn't the only one. Gosh, and no. The reasoning for that is I've been preconditioned by society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just letting everyone know that I still am <laughs> following that conditioning almost to a T and have yet to break out of that. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get there maybe. Who knows? <laughs> okay. So I want to hear your prediction. Okay. So my first one. Um. Oh, okay. So my first one is on page 327 of the, um, um, yeah, thank you. I was like, it's sitting right here in front of me. Why can't I think of the word that I'm trying to say? Um, so this is, they're getting ready for the moon ball. So it's, you know, close to the end and Lil, um, Lay's servant is helping her get ready. And, um, she says to her, are you all right, miss? Lil asks, fixing an ornament on my hair with deft fingers. I shrug. Just nervous for tomorrow's ball, I guess. Well, don't be. I heard the king has arranged a surprise for you, she says um, in response. And this is after the second time Lay has gone to see the king. And um, we know how truly awful this king is. And as soon as I read that line, I was like, he has her dad and Tien. I was like, I knew immediately that they were the surprise and that they were in danger and or she was in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, unfortunately, I was correct. Um, and we don't find out by the end of the book what happened to her dad and Tien, but I'm still very nervous and anxious about it because we don't know what happened to them. Um yeah. And so that was my first prediction. And I really, in that instance, I really hoped that I was um, wrong. wrong, but I was not. Ugh, okay. Yeah, I, that was definitely a very tense scene for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, was them. But what, what was your second prediction? So then my next prediction was, let's see, 3.79 in the book. And I think this is after... Um, let's see here. Um, oh, wait, this is a different note. Hold on. Why did I write 379? I don't know. Why don't you go to the note that you know what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always don't want to sit, me to just sit here and try to figure out what I'm, <laughs> what I'm, what the hell I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, that's so funny. Um, oh, okay, I remember for that one. Okay, great. Anyways, so, so. The one that I was trying to say, <laughs> which I thought this one was, was actually page 368. Um, and that is, um, Lei has had to take Ren's place in, in trying to assassinate the king. And um, sort of at the bottom of the page, um, 
it says, it's over, it is done, I did it, the king is dead. And I was like, I don't think so. (laughs) It just, it felt like it was too easy, right? So Ren was supposed to be the one to kill the king. She'd been training her whole life. She was one of these famed, she's the last of the um, Shia, Zia warriors. Like, she's this mystical she can she can do magic she knows all the martial arts like she's and she was the one who was supposed to kill him and then she gets called away and then lay has to take her place but she's been training for like three weeks and i and then all of a sudden the king is dead and i was like that feels not it feels like it was too soon like or too quick like it 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 seemed like all of a sudden he's dead no like it just didn't makes sense to me. And then (laughs) we get to the end and there's this little extra part and the king is not dead. (laughs) And I was like, I knew it was too easy. Like, (laughs) because it just, it didn't seem to fit in my brain that, um, this basically untrained warrior would be able to kill the king so easily when this had been like 200 years in the planning you know like um so I was pretty proud of myself because I'm not always very (laughs) very good at those I did not see that coming at all whatsoever so the ending there's almost like a false ending like I thought I thought the book had ended and then like you said you turn the next page and find out that the king didn't die right and I totally, legitimately thought he was dead. Like, I had no uh, misgivings about that fact. I thought it was a fact. I thought it was done. And I was pretty pleased about the ending of the book. I was like, wow, this wraps up nicely. Right. They're together. They escaped. Right. I mean, sure, they just started a war. But, you know, no big deal. Like, they can handle that. Right. And then I turn the next page, find out that that's not the actual ending, (laughs) and find out that, hey, JK, everything isn't okay. Right. The king's actually still alive, so joke's on you. Yeah. Um, That was a little stressful to end the book that way. Yeah. Um, So that page is 379, which I realized my note, because I just wrote the page number, I, I was trying to make sure to write at least a little bit at the end so I would know what the hell I was talking about. Um, clearly, I didn't. Um, it was just to talk about her um, her birth gift pendant um, and, and what the word was in it, um, which was flight, which was, as you mentioned sort of earlier in the book, because it was your favorite part, was what a fitting... <laughs> Thing to have been her word when they've just flown from the into safety and and into um um into sort of the new part of their lives. Um, mm-hmm. So that note, I'm mostly I'm just glad I figured out why I wrote it down. Um, um oh, do you have anything else that you would like to talk about? No, I think. I think we've covered everything. Okay, because I have one last last note that's not really a note more than just mentioning the author's note for this book. Um, Okay. It was really funny, everyone listening, right as we were sort of getting ready for this, I was like, 
Alex mentioned her her false ending <laughs> and her and her being like, "Yeah, we're done. Oh, we're not done." Like <laughs> um and I I told her I had sort of a similar feeling um because I was moving forward expecting it to immediately be the author's note and then it wasn't and she goes, "Oh, I never read the author's note." And I was like, "Oh, I almost always read the author's note." Um and especially in this book, I was really glad that I um read it because um, you know, it just, it was nice to hear her words on why she wrote this book. Um, and I'm, so what I'm going to do is I'm sort of as our last little bit here, I'm going to read it for you all, um, as well as some, some resources that she puts in here. Um, and then I think that'll be sort of the end. Um, so I'm going to do how you can find us before I read this author's note, because I feel like I don't want it to be after the author's note, because I want that to sort of stand on its own. Um, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast at UPM Pod Official. Um, we're on Instagram. We're the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And then um, my favorite is our Gmail. You can say hi. You can send us cute pictures of your animals, book suggestions. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, anything, just email us at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and here is the author's note from Natasha Nung um, about her book, Girls of Paper and Fire. The story within these pages is a work of fiction, but also a work of love. The world of Ikara has been heavily inspired by growing up in Malaysia, a country with a dense mix of cultures, and also by my identity as a person of mixed, mixed ethnicity. As such, it's a bit of a hybrid, like me. I feel extremely lucky to come from a multicultural home. It has shaped my influences and perspectives and will forever continue to do so. The conception of Girls of Paper and Fire also comes from a personal, deep yearning for more diverse novels, particularly in YA. I believe it's important for everyone, but especially young people, to see themselves in the stories they consume, to feel acceptance and kinship, to be inspired for their own stories, real and imagined. Even magical worlds have their roots in our own. I would love to see more books reflecting the rich variety of our individual realities. The story of the Paper Girls is one that is, sadly, representative of many women's experiences, my own included. While I realize these are hard discussions, especially for teens, it is of vital importance we have them. Books can be safe places to explore difficult topics. While we cannot shelter young people from being exposed to sexual violence, whether through lived experience or indirectly, we can give them a way to safely engage with and reflect upon these issues. I hope girls, and that's um, italicized as in, a, you know, abbreviation of the title of her book, provides such a space. For any readers who have experienced sexual assault, I am so, so sorry for what you have been through. My wish is that, like me, you were able to find some form of kinship and empowerment in Lay's journey. Despite the darkness of the story, there are many positive messages that I wanted to convey to readers going through their own traumas, supportive relationships and friendships, the ability to find hope even in the hardest of times, the power of female strength, the knowledge that you can go through horrible things and not just survive, but live. This is a story close to my heart. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are a victim of sexual, emotional, or physical abuse, please consider speaking to a trusted adult or contacting one of the following resources if you need to seek help anonymously. RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, 
you call 1-800-656-HOPE. You can chat at online.rain.org, and that is R-A-I-N-N. And for more information, you can go to rain.org. Um, the next is Love is Respect, National Dating Abuse Hotline for Teens. You call 1-866-331-9474. For information and chat, go to loveisrespect.org, or you can text Love is to 22522. And the last is the National Domestic Violence and Abuse Hotline. You can call 1-800-799-SAFE. And for more information and to chat online, you can go to thehotline.org. Thank you all for listening.